Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. So we're continuing with the First Things First series, and I am excited about this morning. I had a direction that I was headed, and I, I, I fully intended on dealing with uh, First Things First, life together in the kingdom. That was where I was headed. But to get to that place, first there was a word that I had to deal with. And the more I talked to, the more I studied it, and the more I sought it out, and the more I talk right now, it just keeps getting crazier. And the more I did it, I couldn't get past this word to deal with everything else. And I begin to think the whole idea of the, the series that we're in right now is first things first. And we started with Matthew 6 and 33, uh, Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all, all those things shall be added unto you. But to seek the kingdom, first there came a man who first had to preach, repent, for the kingdom can be sought. See, he said it as, repent for the kingdom of his hand, but what he was saying is, you need to repent now because someone's coming behind me with a kingdom that you're going to need to seek. Do I need to change? So tonight, or this morning, I'm sorry, I want to deal with this idea when John said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Matthew 3, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came, am I on? Preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Verse 2. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what he came preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want you to take this word, and we're going to look at it from a totally different point of view than what we were normally raised on this word. We were raised on this word that every time you heard repent, you connected it to sin or a mistake. And that was the only way we knew it. But John the Baptist comes on the scene preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is close to you. In other words, there's a king that's already here, and he's bringing a kingdom that you're going to have to seek. So when I went to studying in this, I learned that that word repent actually comes from the word metaneoeo. Yeah, say that. (laughs) Which actually means to think differently or to reconsider. So John the Baptist didn't come on the scene saying, stop sinning because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He actually came on the scene saying, you need to think differently and reconsider what you've thought because the kingdom is here. See, because in verse uh, 8, I think it is, you don't have to pull it up, but in verse 8, he tells, he, we find out that he's talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Well, we know that according to the law, the Pharisees and Sadducees were perfect. According to the law, they had no sin to repent of. So if John came on the scene telling them to repent, it must have been something besides what we consider sin based on the law. Because we know that the Sadducees and the Pharisees memorized the first five books of the Bible. They knew how to repent. They knew how to pray. They knew how to live the life. They knew how to do all those things. As a matter of fact, what is it? Uh... Uh, Matthew 5 and 20, Jesus says, Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. 
So there was a righteousness there. There was, there was something there, and yet John comes on the scene preaching, repent. What he was really saying to them is, if you can't begin to reconsider what religion has conditioned you to believe, you won't see this kingdom. Let me give you an example. In John chapter 3, we see a story where Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, he was a, he was a, a, a high-ranking spiritual leader, we see this Nicodemus sneak in to see Jesus at night because he was so high-ranking in the Pharisees it would have looked bad on him. So he sneaks in at night to go and talk to Jesus and find all this stuff out. Well, Jesus turns to this Nicodemus and says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. Well, we know he's talking to a Pharisee. And this Pharisee knew how to repent. He knew how to ask forgiveness. He knew the scriptures. He knew all these types of things. So Jesus wasn't dealing with a sin condition in this moment with Nicodemus. He was dealing with a thought process. He was dealing with the fact that they had been raised in such a religious system that had conditioned them and trained them to think a certain way. And the king that was coming was going to operate outside of those conditions. Wow. See, we started this year preaching a kingdom. A kingdom that operates outside of our normal conditions. A kingdom that you can't think like you used to think and operate in this kingdom. So John shows up saying, you need to think differently. You have to reconsider what you've been conditioned to believe or you're going to miss what's coming. See, sin in relation to repent is the elementary form. We were never intended to keep repenting of sin. The intention was to repent of sin, then repent and change my thought process and reconsider the way I did life, and then I no longer have to keep going back and committing the sin. For a while, uh, several months back, we dealt with grace for weeks and weeks, and we come in and determine the same thing, that grace in relation to sin is elementary. Your unmerited favor, we call it, is only applicable in that uh, that elementary stage of I need his grace to come and deal with my sin. And then the next level, grace becomes the empowerment in my life to live above sin. Grace has never been an excuse to keep repenting and be okay. That's not grace. And it's not true repentance. I'm learning more and more. This has changed my prayer life over the last two weeks. To just, just, It's just been crazy. And I've been learning and understanding that that. There was never the intention or the purpose for me to keep having to repent of that sin. That true repentance, true repentance doesn't lead me back to sin. True repentance, I heard a quote by a pastor. He said, holiness that, or no, he said, grace that does not lead to holiness is not grace at all. Real grace forgives me of what I did and empowers me never to do it again. So John the Baptist comes on the scene preaching this same version of repentance. He wasn't just saying you need to quit doing bad things because Jesus is coming. Does that not sound like the message we preach today? You better quit doing bad things because Jesus is coming. And we've taken this message of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we've made it all about slapping you on the wrist when you do the wrong thing. Because one day Jesus is going to show up and it's going to be at night when you're not ready. And you're going to be so surprised he's going to jerk everybody out and you're going to be left dead. 
And that becomes the message we preach when that wasn't what John was saying at all. John was saying, you need to reconsider what you've been conditioned to believe because there's someone coming that's going to operate so different than what you're used to that it's going to change everything. So Nicodemus wasn't dealing with a sin problem. He was dealing with a thought problem. The formula of his thought was conditioned by religion. And most of us learned how to think by being raised in a religious system. And John comes on the scene saying, y'all better let all that go. Because he's going to do some things that you ain't going to like. He's going to heal some people that don't even love God. Oh, come on now. He's going he's gonna to set some people free. I want to tell somebody's testimony so bad. He's going to deliver some people some stuff when they're still living in grotesque sin. Come on, you, you better start thinking differently. You better reconsider some stuff because this king don't operate like we operate. He don't stop and check your resume before he pours love on you. No, he just says, you know what? I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it's been like. My God. we got to reconsider. We've been conditioned. We've been conditioned to believe a certain way. And the king is coming in saying, no, I don't operate like that. You can't put me in that box. Don't put me in your box. Mm. The king was there, and so his kingdom rule was about to be established. But if they couldn't reconsider what they had always thought, they wouldn't be able to see it, according to what he told Nicodemus. He said, if you can't reconsider it, if you can't be born again, you won't even see it. You'll be blinded to it. You'll be blinded to what I'm trying to do. The Pharisees couldn't see what everyone else was seeing because they wouldn't reconsider what religion had conditioned them to think. Everyone else seen him as Savior, the healer, the deliverer. They laid down palm branches and celebrated when he rolled into the city. I heard a, I heard a guy preaching yesterday at a, at a young adult conference I was at, and he, he, he just dealt with the point that Jesus came into a city, the scripture says, with his disciples and went out of the city with a multitude. But that multitude didn't include the Pharisees because they couldn't see him like they seen him. All they could see was religion had told them to see. All they could see is what they had been trained to see. All they could see is what their culture had taught them to see. All they could see was what life had conditioned them to see. But when you're born into the kingdom, it has a way of making you reconsider the way you've always done life. Insert Nathan's testimony. I'll let him tell that later. But when you're set free and you're delivered and you, you, become, you repent in this understanding and you begin to think like the king thinks in the kingdom, you begin to reconsider the way you've always done life. For example, Luke 19. Luke 19, verse 8. This is one of the most popular stories in Jesus' ministry of Zacchaeus. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. I'll give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it four times what I took. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, 
In other words, Jesus said, this is the evidence that you've experienced the kingdom I'm talking about because Zacchaeus in a moment reconsidered the way he had always done life. He had always done life by get, 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 get. That was his mindset. That's how he was conditioned. That's how he was raised. That's what he was always told. So that's what he did. And in a moment with Jesus, immediately he begins to reconsider and say, you know what, I'm going to give. I just want to give everything. I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor. I'm going to restore stuff I stole four times to people. This dude must have had some money. And he just starts saying, you know what, that's, that's not how the kingdom operates. That's not how the kingdom operates. The kingdom doesn't operate in a give me, give me, give me. The kingdom operates in a I want to give. I want to be just like my master and find a way I can give and give and give. It's the kingdom. But we won't see it if we can't think differently. We won't see it unless we're willing to reconsider what life has conditioned us to believe. So when Zacchaeus experiences Jesus in, this, in the kingdom, he reconsiders the way he had always done life and suddenly realizes there's a much better way to do it. Repent. Think differently. Reconsider what religion, what life, what the American culture has conditioned you to believe. Why? John told us why. Because the kingdom of heaven is right here close to us. And if we don't, we won't see it. If we don't learn to reconsider, we'll miss it. We'll miss it. Jesus was constantly passing by people. And the ones that seen him for what he was would cry out and get his attention. With blind Barmas, he stood still. With the, with the disciples in the boat, he stopped, he took notice. But what these all stories have in common is he would have passed by. He would have just kept walking right on by them. But it was only their recognition of being able to see him for what he really was that caught his attention. We see it in a, a personal time with him and his 12 disciples when they sit down and Jesus starts saying, who do you think I, or who do men say that I am? And immediately you can tell Jesus really doesn't care who anybody says he is. Because then he turns and says, now, who do you say that I am? And only one of them catches his attention. That's the one that's seen him for what he really was. Peter said, you're the son of God. You're the Christ. We have to begin to reconsider what we've been conditioned to believe in so many areas. You know, it's crazy to me because we always compare people or even ourselves to the Pharisees when it comes to being overbearingly religious or hypocritical. Those are the two things. Oh, they're pharisaical. Pharisee for judging me like that. But you want to know the most pharisaical thing you can do? Not recognize the kingdom. The, mo the thing that they killed Jesus for was because they couldn't recognize him. Not because they were overbearing. Not because they were hypocritical. They killed him because they couldn't recognize him. How many of us are killing the kingdom in our own lives because we haven't repented to the place where we can see it? Maybe the barometer of religion in our lives isn't the amount of rules that we enforce, but the amount of kingdom that we're not able to see. Do we see it? Have we repented to the point that we see the kingdom that Jesus is establishing?
This morning was exciting, and we got a glimpse of what it looks like. Because in the kingdom, sickness is destroyed. In the kingdom, depression is destroyed. These are, these, this is what the kingdom looks like. But first, there has to be a repenting. I'm just going to be honest and, and, and vulnerable here and admit that after doing this study, I have not repented near enough in my life. I've repented of sin a lot, but I've never repented unto the point of reconsidering what I've been conditioned to believe. So are we, are we just babes? Are, are we infants in Christ and the only way we know how to repent is when we mess up? Or are we in a place of repenting to the point that I begin to see the kingdom? I heard a pastor say, we repent enough to make it to heaven, but not enough to see the kingdom. I don't doubt that you're going to heaven. I just doubt that you'll ever get heaven here. Because if we can't see it, if we can't change the way we've been conditioned to believe that church operates like this, 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 three messages, I mean three songs, a message, you make me happy, you make me feel good, and we go home. That's not the kingdom. That's religion. But what's exciting is in those moments when the kingdom is being recognized, you can be in your three or four opening songs and prayer break out. Lacey come to me after, after worship, she said, did you notice that spontaneous praise just kept erupting in different places? Why? Because people's minds were beginning to shift to the mind of the kingdom. And when you begin to think like the kingdom, you begin to realize this is possible. This could actually happen today. And faith begins to arise. Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. What is the will of God? Well, Jesus told us in his perfectly modeled prayer, Your kingdom come, your it's not either or, it's that's how it happens. When your kingdom comes, your will is done. It's not take one or the other. You don't get to ignore the kingdom and do his will. You can't do his will outside of the kingdom. So Paul teaches us in Romans 12 and 2 that we are transformed by repenting, by renewing my mind, by reestablishing my formula of thought. Not by battling sin. Battling sin does not transform your life. Battling sin puts you in a bondage that you keep failing to. What sets you free, what transforms you according to the scripture, is when I repent and my mind is renewed. That word renewed there actually means reestablished. Some of us, our minds have been established by the culture that we came up in. The Pharisees' minds were established based on what they had been raised in. So they had to come to a place of renewing, which is reestablishing their minds so that they could see what Jesus was coming to offer. Paul tells us that we're to be conformed to the mindset. We are not to be conformed to the mindset and the thought pattern of this world but transformed when we begin to think differently and reconsider the way we have been conditioned. And only then can we prove what is the will of God.
We're to prove His will. Not talk about His will. Not hope for His will. We're to prove it. In other words, if we get up here and spend a whole month preaching to you about the kingdom, then I feel it's our obligation, our requirement to prove it. That's why these moments happen. And we step out and do ridiculous things like pray over your envelope and maybe more money will be in there. Because we so believe that God is in the business of proving his word. It says in the Bible that the word was confirmed with, how does it say it, with the working of his hand? Is that how it's worded? By the working of his hand. That's the kingdom. That we not only come up and read you awesome history stories, but, but the word is confirmed. It's proven. But we can't prove anything in an old mindset. We can't prove anything thinking like we used to think. That we may prove what is the acceptable and perfect and good will of God. It's crazy because I remember a couple days ago we were at the house and uh, my one-year-old, she thinks that she can do anything. She thinks she doesn't need anyone. If, it can, if it's to be done, she can do it. So feeding time is just a blast. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we were sitting at the house, and uh, we're all eating, and of course she's wanting to feed herself, and she's trying to get the fork and rake it out, and she's just, and she starts getting so frustrated, and she's slamming the fork down in the thing, and just food's going everywhere, and she's so mad because she can only get just a little bit on there. And she's aggravated because she knows it's possible to get a lot on there. Slow down. Wait on me. Come on, let me have a punchline. You know why she knew she could get more on there? Because I had done it and given her more. Not only that, but she was sitting at the table watching me get more. See, the problem is, a lot of us come here on Sunday morning, and we see other people getting more. They're getting spoonfuls. And instead of it driving me to learn how to get a spoonful, I just get offended that they're eating more than I am. I'm going to stir up some stuff now. This can get right. But when your mindset has shifted, you begin to understand, if they did it, I bet I can do it. If Jesus did it, he said I could do it. So she's getting aggravated. Trying to get this and, and just... So Courtney goes over as a good, loving mother and tries to help her. And guess what KG does? No, it ain't happening. She starts throwing a fit. She's screaming. She's a really good kid, I promise. She starts getting mad because she wants to do it her way. That's the way she's always done it, you know, for the whole two weeks that she's been able to hold a fort. But it's the way she's always done it. Is that not how we approach this thing sometimes? We're aggravated because we're not doing it like we've, we've seen it be done. We're not getting the spoonfuls that we see the pastor getting. And, and, and there was a moment when Colby prayed for me and it felt like a spoonful. But then when I pray for myself, it feels like a little bitty bite. 
right? And then somebody comes along and says, maybe if you were willing to think differently and reconsider the kingdom. I'm not doing that. This is the way I've always done it. This is the way I've always approached it. This is the way I've always held my fork. Well, if that's the way, then shrivel up and die. But it's so real that until I'm willing to say, okay, God, show me. God, I repent of the way I've thought, the way I've been conditioned, the way life has told me to do it. I repent for buying into the American culture over the biblical culture. I repent for everything that I've done that's formed the mindset that I have. Show me how to hold this fork. I'm tired of scraping by. I want a, I want a mouthful. Me and Stephen always sit down and eat a bowl of cereal at night together, mainly because I can never hide long enough to eat it. But he always comes in, and I'm just, I guess I got it from my dad. But for some reason, when I'm eating cereal, I feel like I have to just pile it on there. I don't know why, but I feel like if my mouth is not crammed, then I'm not eating it right. So, so I'm sitting there eating cereal like this, and Stephen, I'm, every once in a while, Stephen's like, I want a bite, so I'll just give him a bite, you know. And he's like, no, Dad, I want a bite like you get. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> and usually ends up in a mess, and we get in trouble by Courtney. But, but see, this is the way it should be. We should be raising up young people. Right? We should be raising up young people in a church that see us getting spoonfuls of the goodness of God, of the greatness of God, that they're saying, no, Daddy, I want a bite like you got. He didn't want to wait till he was as big as I was. He wanted the bite now. What if right now, in the back of this, this campus upstairs, there's students, there's your kids getting mouthful of the goodness of God, and they're learning that they can pray for the sick? They're up there right now learning that if they pray for the sick and believe that they'll be healed. I've been hearing just testimony of these, these, these student teachers that go up there every, every Sunday morning with them. And they keep coming back of, they just want to pray for everything. You open up for one minute and say we're going to pray, and every kid wants to pray for everything, and they're so serious about it. And that's the culture we want to create here at Life Church, that kids are coming up in a culture where they want a mouthful of the goodness of God. Repent. Think differently. We don't have to be caught up on the idea that they need to be 10, 12, 15, 18 years old before they can operate in this. If you wait that long, chances are you've lost them. Chances are we've lost them. But what if they were raised in a culture that was just operating and walking in and seeing the kingdom of God. Being raised up in church doesn't keep kids from straying. I've been there. Nobody went to church more than I did. Right? We grew up sleeping under the pews and staying until one o'clock in the morning and all that kind of stuff. My dad was a, uh, an evangelist for several years of our life, and it was seven nights a week of just being in church. We knew how to do church. We'd go home and just mimic everything that happened. We could shout like them, dance like them, fall out like them, speak in tongues like them. We didn't know how to speak in tongues yet. We could do it all. But guess what? When it came time, I was gone. It was out. 
I'm not here to downgrade or diss or, or put out anything. I thank God for my upbringing. But I'm crazy enough to believe that when the kingdom is established, we won't be praying, God, bring them back. We'll be saying, God, raise them up. God, raise them up. But we gotta, we got to think that way first. We got to think that way. One more scripture. Can we do one more? Are y'all in a hurry? Romans 2 and 4 says, The goodness of God leads us unto repentance. So I went in looking at this word, and it's actually broken down, goes back to the very same word that we started with in the beginning to change your mind, to think differently, to reconsider. So when we experience the goodness of God, it causes us to reconsider the way we've done life. It causes us to reconsider even what we've been taught. It causes us to reconsider even things that we've experienced ourselves. There's a power in His goodness to begin to reconsider what we thought was just for sure. The disciples are in the boat, and there's a storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water. So they're in a storm. It looks terrible. It looks like it's just it's not going to work. And Jesus, in His goodness, comes to them in the storm. Well, in this moment of Jesus' goodness, all of a sudden, Peter decides to reconsider everything he's ever known about water. It was in the presence of the goodness of Jesus that all of a sudden, Peter had the craziest idea that I could stand on that. There's a moment in the goodness of God where we begin to reconsider things that we thought to be solid truths. Because up to this point in his life, he had always known that water will drown me. But in the presence of the goodness of Jesus, all of a sudden it was willing to be reconsidered. He was willing to repent of the mindset that had been established. I feel like some of us here this morning need to repent of the mindset that has been established about the mountain that's in your life. Because life and religion and everything around you has told you that that mountain is immovable. And you've established a mindset based on that mountain. But Jesus said, if you speak to that mountain, it can be thrown into the sea. But instead, we build a shrine to the mountain. We just, we dance around the mountain, we shout on top of the mountain, we sing to the mountain, we sing, we do all these things instead of coming to a place of repenting and believing that if I speak to this mountain in my life, according to the kingdom that Jesus established, it could be removed. It could be cast into the sea. This kingdom that we're talking about, and I got to talk a little bit with Rosetta, uh, Sister Rosetta the other night, and we were talking about the kingdom message, and you start throwing around the word kingdom, and a lot of people get very, eh, just awkward about it. It's just, it's just the way it's been. It's the stigma that's been placed to it. So I just began to do some looking, and did you know that there's about 147 references to the kingdom in the New Testament? 147. And I think 100 to like 105 were made by Jesus himself. So we have to quit avoiding this 
because of the whatever you want to call it that's been placed on it and start understanding that until we get to the place of repenting to the point of seeing the kingdom, we won't be the representation of him that he's called us to be. We, we cannot represent him right outside of seeing the kingdom. He told Nicodemus, if you're not born again, you won't even see it. And the Pharisees killed him because they couldn't see it. Church, let's not kill the kingdom because we don't see it. But instead, let's begin to repent. I don't mean go back and beg God to forgive you for messing up. I mean repent and change our minds. Change our minds. Think differently. Reconsider the way you've always done life. Reconsider the way we've been conditioned, the way we've been brought up, the things that we've been brought into. I love that renew your mind actually means to reestablish. It has to be placed on a whole new foundation. It has to be reestablished on something else. That something else is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is established on one thing, His goodness. Everything about the kingdom of God flows from His goodness. He's so good, He heals you when you're sick. He's so good, He helps you when you're broke. Right? He's so good, he saves you when you don't deserve it. It's the goodness of God. And I believe it's where we're headed, church. I believe that by the help of the Holy Spirit, he's beginning to help us repent and change to a place of seeing the kingdom, of seeing the goodness of God. Before I turn it over to Dad, I want to pray with you this morning. I personally have been very challenged with this word in my prayer time uh, of just learning how to go into a place and pray, Holy Spirit, I don't know how to do this. We always throw that out. You're transformed by renewing your mind. Really, well, teach me how to renew my mind because I want to be transformed. But instead of throwing scripture around and assuming that everybody knows what to do, what if we start going and say, Holy Spirit, I want to see it. Open my eyes that I can see this kingdom. Renew my mind. The word there, oh man, I almost forgot a scripture. I got to throw this out to you. Uh, Matthew 22 and, uh, yeah, it's somewhere right in there, 22 and 47. They say, they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the Holy Spirit just would not let me get away from this scripture. And he just began to show me so much on this that we do love him with our passion. We're passionate for God. We're passionate for those things. And I feel like even in a lot of ways, we love him with our, our soul, our emotions. You know what I mean? But the last word, mind, actually breaks down to mean mindset. And is our mindset... Is it founded in, driven by, covered with the love of God? Is our mindset in that place? Do we only love him emotionally? I feel like I could write good enough and speak good enough to come in here and stir you emotionally. 
I could, I could deal with your soul and stir up your emotions and get you excited. I've been in churches all over that know how to do it and they're good at it. And I don't doubt your love for God. I don't doubt your heart. But I feel like we've lacked in the third one. And we haven't given Him completely our mindset. And we've held on to some mindsets that are holding us just outside the kingdom. Moses was stuck on a mindset that kept him just outside the promised land. He had seen some amazing things, and you could never make me believe he didn't love God. But there was a mindset there that kept him outside of the promise. Church, don't let a mindset keep you out of the kingdom. I'm not talking about making it to heaven. I'm talking about operating in this here on earth. Don't let a bad mindset keep us out of it. But let us reconsider and repent of those mindsets. Change our mind. Think differently, he said. Think differently because the kingdom of heaven is here now. So don't let your mindset keep you from seeing it. As dad's coming up, I want to pray just as a whole over everyone in here, I'm going to ask you to do something because y'all know me. I'm just, I like to do that. I like to make you get involved. If you don't mind, would you stand? This is something that I've started doing a lot on Wednesday night with our youth upstairs, and I love it. I feel like it's so effective. But what I want you to do is I want you to grab the hand of a person beside you, and, and we're, we're each going to pray for each other this morning. You don't have to come up with your own prayer. I'm going to give you one. I've made it that easy for you. So right now, I want you to say this prayer for yourself and for the people that you're holding on to because we're a family. And if we're going to go here, we're going to go here together. We're going to walk into this kingdom just like this. We ain't leaving no Moses is behind. We want everybody. We want everybody to experience this. So right now, for yourself and for the person next to you, let's pray this prayer. Father, I repent of the way I've thought. Change our formula. Change our mindset. Renew our minds. Open our eyes to the kingdom. Father, I repent for building a mindset outside of your goodness. Father, I repent of building a mindset outside of your love. And from now on, all my thoughts, every single thought, even the smallest thoughts, will come from the place of your kingdom. And they'll come from the heart of your love. We thank you for it. We're excited for it. We anticipate it, and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.